0: We all know the phrase, seeing is believing, and we all know what it means. We know that it means that there are some things, sometimes, that you just won't believe until you see it for yourself. And once you have seen it, you can't help but believe it. But there are also plenty of things that we believe without seeing. For example, I believe that my great-great-grandfather lived, though I never met him or saw I believe that the earth is round though I've never been high enough to see what shape it is and I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day though I've never seen him and though those events happened 2,000 years ago now I have good reasons for believing all of those things but seeing is not one of them Thomas is most famous in the Bible for insisting on seeing before he would believe. Remember, Jesus had told his disciples that he was going to die on the cross. He told them that he was going to rise again on the third day. And it happened just as he said. And after he rose, he appeared to some of his disciples... And they saw Jesus alive, and they believed, and they told Thomas about it. But Thomas said, not me. I'm not going to believe that Jesus is alive unless I see his nail-pierced hands, unless I see his side where he was pierced on the cross, unless I see those things, I am not going to believe. And Jesus, of course, appeared to Thomas and said, here I am, Thomas. Put your hands on my hands. See the holes where I was nailed to the cross. Here, here's my side. See that it is I and that I live. And Thomas saw and Thomas believed. And you might think, Thomas is my kind of guy. Nobody was pulling anything over on Thomas. Right? He had to see it for himself. But that's not how Jesus responded to Thomas. Thomas did Jesus didn't say to Thomas, way to go Thomas. Way to hold out and not believe until you had seen it for yourself. Here's what Jesus said to Thomas. He said have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus pronounces a blessing on all those like you and I who believe in Jesus, who believe that he died on the cross for our sin, who believe that he rose from the dead, even though we haven't seen him. We don't believe without evidence. That's not what we're saying. But we do believe without sight. We have evidence that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose. And we believe those things happened, even though we did not see those events and we have not seen him. Jesus does not ask us to believe without evidence. But it is not only those of us who have not seen him who are called upon to believe without seeing And sometimes we think, well, if I had been alive when Jesus was alive, and I could have seen the signs, and I could have seen the miracles, how much easier it would have been for me to believe. But have you noticed this? Jesus doesn't always give people something to see when he asks them to believe. Even when he was here. I want us to look together at the Gospel of John, chapter 4, beginning in verse 43. And I'm going to read through the end of the chapter, through verse 54. And we're going to read a story of a man who believed Jesus without seeing. He believed that Jesus would do what he asked, even though he did not get to see it happen. He did not get to see Jesus do anything that would indicate it would happen. He simply had to take Jesus at his word. And here's what the scripture says, beginning in verse 43 of John 4. It says, After the two days, these are the two days he spent in Samaria, after the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Now, to understand what's going on in this story and what John wants us to to glean and to learn from this story, we need to remember some things that John has already said in his gospel. John makes clear that not everybody who thinks they see or who claims to believe really believes. Truly believes. For example, at the end of chapter 2, Jesus has done some signs already. And it says, starting in verse 23, that, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. All right, so they saw what Jesus was doing, and they believed, John says. But then he says... But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So these people are entrusting themselves to Jesus, at least at some level, but Jesus is not entrusting himself to them because of what he knows about them. And then just a couple verses later, we're told about Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night and said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus, in effect, says, Jesus, I've seen your signs and I know who you are. You're a teacher come from God. And Jesus says, you don't see as well as you think you do. You don't know who I am yet. That's what he means when he says to Nicodemus in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, you've seen my signs, but you still don't see me. I'm not just a teacher come from God. I'm the king of the kingdom of God. But you won't be able to see that until you are born again. So when John tells us in chapter 4... And verse 45, that when Jesus came to Galilee, that the people of Galilee welcomed him because they had seen the signs that he had done at the feast in Jerusalem. We know that John doesn't want us to be just overexcited about that. John has set us up to be a little skeptical about the kind of faith that comes from these who have merely seen the signs that Jesus has done. John tells us that they welcomed Jesus because they saw the signs that he had done. And yet, he says in verse 44, that Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Why did John put that there? We know that Jesus said this, right? This is one of Jesus' famous sayings, that a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Where is Jesus from? He's from Galilee, specifically from Nazareth. But uh, but, uh, Galilee is his home region, not Jerusalem. And he's just returned from Jerusalem and Judea. He's gone through Samaria, and now he's coming to Galilee. Why? Well, that's when John chooses to say... Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Wait a minute, but in verse 45, it looks like he does have honor in his own hometown because the people have seen the signs that he did, and so they're welcoming him. Ah, but not so fast. Just like in chapter 2, the people were believing in Jesus, and yet Jesus was not entrusting himself to them because of what he knew about them. So here, I think John is giving us a hint. Even though it looks good when Jesus comes back to Galilee, Jesus knows it's not as good as it looks. They're welcoming him because they've seen the signs, but Jesus knows he's not going to have any real honor here in his hometown. That becomes really clear in verse 48 when Jesus says, not only to the man who's come to ask for healing for his son, But to all the people, all the Galileans who are evidently there with him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That's not a praise. (laughs) That's a rebuke. right? And and you might have a note in your Bible like I do, or or something in your Bible that indicates the you there is the Texas y'all. Right? It's a plural. It's not talking to the man as an individual. You won't believe unless you see signs. Jesus is talking to all the people who are there in his hearing, saying, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That's not the kind of faith that Jesus is looking for. Seeing may be believing, but it's not always the right kind of believing. Because sometimes when you don't believe until you see what you believe is the sign, the miracle, the event that you witnessed, and your faith doesn't go beyond I saw this sign to believing in the thing or the person the sign is pointing to. That's the problem. Sometimes seeing a sign just causes us to want to see more signs. But that's not what signs are for. The signs in Scripture are not there merely to excite us and and sort of put us in a state of awe and wonder and say, man, do that again. No, the signs are there to communicate to us who God is and what He's up to and why we ought to trust Him, why we ought to believe Him. So if we don't go from the sign to the thing, the person, the sign is pointing to, if our faith is not transferred from just, I believe what I saw to I believe what that sign was pointing to, we miss missed the point of the signs. That's why Jesus was not, not always very positive, we could say, when he talked to people about signs. He said things like, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. Who? Ouch. Right? You guys want to see me do something else? Why? It's because you're evil and you're adulterous. Your hearts are not true to the Lord. That's why you want another sign from me. Jesus did plenty of signs, and yet there seemed to be people who were never satisfied no matter how many signs Jesus performed. No matter how many things they saw him do, they always wanted one more piece of evidence. But here's the thing. That's not how the normal Christian life works. We don't live by signs. Just like we don't live by sight. We live by faith, even when there's no sign to see. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. That's normal. We might see some signs. We might see some miracles. You might have seen some things in your life that you just say, there's no other explanation for that than God did that. And that's great, right? We love to witness those things. And, And at their best, at our best, those things stir up our faith, and increase our faith, and get us more focused on God, and on Christ, and on the work of the Spirit. But, sometimes, they simply stoke in us a desire to see more miraculous things. And we lose our focus on God, and we put our focus on the signs, but Paul tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. And here's what Peter says. This is also a description of the normal Christian life. Peter says, though you have not seen him, talking about Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. Right? If you're a Christian, that's you. You haven't seen Jesus. And I haven't seen Jesus. But you love him. Though you do not now see him, Peter says, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's the normal Christian life. Not seeing, but believing. Now, if we don't believe because we see, if that's not normal, if seeing is believing is not the way the Christian life normally works, then how does it work? How do we come to believe if it's not through seeing? The answer that the Bible gives us is it's through hearing. It's through hearing that we come to believe, not through seeing. And we see that in this story, right? The man who comes to Jesus so that his son will be healed, he comes because he heard about Jesus. Verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now we don't know if this man had ever seen Jesus do any of the signs. We don't know if he was one of the Galileans who had been at the feast and seen some things that Jesus did. Maybe he had, maybe he hadn't. But somehow, he had come to know something about Jesus. He knew Jesus was the kind of person who could heal. He knew there was something different about him, significant about him. And so when he heard that he was near, he went and sought him out to ask for his help, to ask that he would intervene, to ask that he would save his son, that he would deliver his son from death. And that is when Jesus says in verse 48, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Why does he say that? One of the things Jesus is doing is he's pushing back, I think, on the faith that the Galileans have based on what they saw him do at the feast. He's pushing for them to have a deeper kind of faith. A faith that doesn't rest on Sight and on signs. But I think he's also issuing a challenge or giving a test to the man who has come to ask him to heal his son. Will you believe that I can heal your son even if I don't show you anything? Will you? The man passes the test. Verse 49, it says, The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. I don't care what you do. I'm not asking for a sign. I just just know that you can heal my son, and nobody else can, and that's all I'm asking. I'm not here because I want to see you do something awesome. I just want my son to live, and I know I can't make that happen, but I think you can make that happen. That's why I'm here. He passes the test. So what happens? Verse 50. Jesus said to him, Go. Your son will live. That's all you get. A word. A promise. Go back home. Your son's going to be fine. No no laying on of hands. No prayer even. no, No sign. Jesus does nothing to signify that this boy is going to be healed. Many of the healings, right, there's some kind of sign, There's put mud on somebody's eyes, or somebody touches Jesus. Or there's none of that here. All Jesus says is, go, and your son's going to be fine. And what does the man do? He does not insist on a sign. He doesn't say, don't you have to wave your arms, or pray a prayer, or you do something to show me that something just happened? He doesn't insist on any of that. He doesn't ask for any of that. It just says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He didn't get a sign. All he got was a promise. All he got was a word. He didn't see anything, but he heard something and he believed. That's how we're saved. We hear the gospel. We hear that Jesus is God in the flesh who lived and died and rose to save us from sin. And we didn't see it. We didn't witness it. But we hear about it. And God does something miraculous in us such that we believe. And we're saved. Without seeing anything. Oftentimes without even Being at the place where the events happened. Living thousands of miles away and thousands of years away from the events. But we hear about them and we believe. That is the normal Christian life. That's the normal way that people are saved. And it's not just for those of us who live after Jesus. Jesus encouraged that kind of faith even when people were standing right in front of him. So we're not unique in that. That is the kind of faith that Jesus is looking for. And that is the kind of faith that John is seeking to encourage in his gospel. That's why he tells us about Jesus saying to Thomas, Okay, Thomas, you believe because you saw? Well, the people who are blessed are the ones who are going to believe without seeing. Next, the man goes home, and verse 51 says, As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. So the man hears the promise from Jesus. He goes on his way. As he's on his way to return to his son, his servants meet him. And they say, we've got great news. Your son is getting better. Your son is recovering. And the man says, when did it happen? When did he turn the corner? When did it start to get better? And they tell him, yesterday, at this time. And the man knew that's when Jesus told me my son would live. It was Jesus that healed him, and Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. And so we're told again that this man believed. I I take that to mean that his faith was deepened, right? His faith became stronger. He believed the word that Jesus spoke, but now that he has experienced it, now that he has uh, heard testimony of the fact that Jesus has kept his word, his faith has only grown and increased and deepened. And not only does this man believe, but his whole household believes. His family, his servants, and Notice what's true about everybody in this story who believes. Nobody in this story who believes saw the whole picture. Nobody. The father saw Jesus, met with Jesus, and heard what Jesus said, but he didn't see the healing. He wasn't there when his son turned the corner. The servants who were back at the house with the son, they saw him recover. They didn't know why. But they heard the testimony of the father, who would have told them, here's why he's healed. I did make it to Jesus. I did talk to him. I did ask him to heal my son. And no, he didn't come. But he told me just to go home and that my son would be fine. And he told me that at exactly the same time you're telling me that the fever left. And so when they heard that, they believed. Nobody saw the whole thing. Nobody witnessed every part of the miracle. But they believed. They believed the word of Jesus. They believed the Father's testimony about what Jesus had said and what Jesus had done. And then John tells us this in verse 54. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when He had come down from Judea to Galilee. Why does He call it a sign? He calls it a sign because signs point to things. Signs signify something. What does this sign signify about Jesus? That he's able to save, he's able to deliver, he has power that we don't. Prophets did signs, but there's something unique about Jesus. He's not just another prophet. He's a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. Because Jesus is able to heal by his own word. And just like we were talking about with the kids earlier, nobody can do that but God. Nobody can create with their word except God. Nobody can say, be healed and it be done... Except God. The sign is pointing to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior sent to save His people from their sins and all the fallout from sin, right? He heals and casts out demons because when the kingdom of God comes in all its fullness, there's going to be no more death, sickness, or pain, or demonic activity. All that is going to be overcome and over, banished, because Jesus has. Conquered and Jesus has saved, and Jesus can do that because Jesus is God. This sign, along with all the other signs in the Gospels, are there ultimately to point us to Jesus. They're there to show us who He is. But you don't have to see the signs in order to benefit from them. You just have to hear about them. What is essential to believing, to biblical faith, is not seeing, but hearing. You don't have to see to believe, but you do have to hear to believe. And that's why Paul said this in Romans 10. He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's really good news. But here's the problem, Paul said. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to believe, excuse me, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news! But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So, faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Paul doesn't say, what are we going to do? There are all kinds of people in the world who have never seen Jesus. How are they going to believe? He's not worried about that. He is worried about this. There are all kinds of people who haven't heard about Jesus. How are they going to believe? because the only way you can believe is if you hear if you hear the word of Christ if you hear who Jesus is if you hear what Jesus has done not everyone gets to see like Thomas got to see many, most don't but we have gotten to hear and we have the privilege of telling others so that they can hear And even this man in John 4 didn't see anything. He just heard Jesus say, I'll take care of it. I'll fix it. I'm able. I'll do it. Trust me. And that's what it's like to be a Christian. You listen to Jesus To his word, to his promises, you go to him when you're in need, when you're desperate for salvation, for healing, for mercy, for whatever it is. You go to him in your hour of need, you ask him to help, and then you believe that he can do whatever he says. Let's pray.